Well, we come to the end of our series on the liturgy of the church or why we do what we do. And this morning, it's fitting that the last thing that we cover is the last thing that we do in the worship service, which is the benediction. The benediction, as I often um, tell you, is where I will raise my hands, but in giving the blessing, I am but a voice, a representative in God's place. The blessing is from God upon His people. And we are mistaken when we as creatures of habit, timing the sermon, checking off each point in the outline saying, oh my goodness, he spent 12 minutes there, he spent three minutes here, and boy, I don't know, is he, we're, we're 35 minutes and longer, and then we finally get to the benediction, it's like, wow, that's the end. We see the benediction as the conclusion of the service. When in reality, the benediction is the beginning of your service. We have been in a worship service together. And we are not so much serving God with our songs and by giving Him our sin and confession and by patiently listening to Him speak from the Bible as much as He's serving our hearts. He is speaking and tenderly nurturing, sustaining, convicting and leading us as He meets with us in the worship service. And then from there, we go out energized, strengthened in our hearts by His steadfast, by a reminder of His love, and we go to serve Him. So, see the benediction this morning as not so much the ending of the service, but the sending out of His God's people. But He doesn't send us out powerless. He sends us out with a very mysterious, enabling power that comes when we receive that as a blessing. If it's just mere words, well, we're the same old bunch. We're the same as when we came. But if it's God's Word, and if it's if, it, if we're to be strengthened from them, we're to receive them by faith, we're to drill them down into our hearts, and then as we leave, we're strengthened as God's people to serve. And not only serve with endurance, but to serve with joy. I want you to see three things this morning about the benediction. I want you to see His name. I want you to see His face. And I want you to see His grace. All given to us, His name, His face, and His grace are all given to us in this benediction. And they're given to us in every benediction. There are multiple benedictions in the Bible. The two most famous are the Aaronic benediction, which it takes its name, the Aaronic benediction, because he says in verse 23, Speak to Aaron and his sons. And have them bless the people. Aaron was a priest. He was the preacher. He was the minister. 
That's why the benediction is done by an ordained minister. It's someone that is standing as a, as a vehicle of grace for God to speak through them personally to His people. And this was to ever be done as a part of the worship. In fact, people were not to leave in worship until they had been blessed by God. Because many times in the sermon itself, or in the message or the delivery of God's law from on high, people would be freshly convicted and challenged to go and do something. To go and change. Which is hard. God never asks us to do anything except He promised to provide the power to do it. You may think, God is asking me to do things in my life that is a bridge too far. But if God is asking you to do it, He is making available to you the resources and the power to do so, and to do so with joy. And so God instructed Aaron and his priests to give a benediction. Then later, you'll see at the the end of every one of Paul's letters, which would have frequently, that would have been the sermon. We would have been the congregation of two rivers here in Park Circle. And we would, I would be coming as a, as a facilitating minister, like Timothy, the church planter. And I would say, guys, guys, I got a letter from Paul. Let me read it to you. Because God speaks to Paul and he speaks through Paul. And then at the end of that letter, such as 1st or 2nd Corinthians, we see the apostolic benediction which means a disciple of Christ who was one of his intimates gives a benediction. And this benediction that all the churches would have used would have gone something like this. May you be blessed by God the Father through your fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And notice, in a similar fashion, that bears a resemblance to the Aaronic benediction, which contains three names for God. It's the same name. The name of God, the name of the Lord, is given here three times. Verse 24, the Lord bless you. 25, the Lord make His face. 26, the Lord lift up His countenance to you. What's going on here? The word for Lord, now bear with me. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a grammar lesson, but it's important because the church has begun to just kind of yawn at this name. Um, Whenever we read it in our private times of worship or whenever we hear the scriptures read aloud. But you'll notice in the Old Testament, such as you have printed before you, that it's all in caps, capital L-O-R-D. This is the name Yahweh. And to the Hebrew people, the name of the Lord was so sacred that they left out the vowels. In fact, it was so sacred that they began to use the word Adonai, or Master, Lord, in its place. But what's important for us to note is that as His names appear, and it appears in the New Testament as Kyrios, Lord, that it doesn't mean 
that I exist or I merely am. Moses, you might recall, received the name of the Lord at the burning bush. Moses was called by God to go to Egypt and to free his people, lead them out in great exodus from their bondage. Moses said, if we're to have a relationship, God, if you're a personal God, if you're not like the distant God of the Egyptians, you've come very close to me right now and you're saying you want a relationship with your people. Who are you? Like every relationship with a person, you've got to know their name. And he said, Yahweh, I am. I am that I am. And the church historically has said, well, that's what the name of the Lord means. But no, it means far more than that. As one said, it means call me dad because I'm the one that you can count on. Think about it. The name of the Lord, whenever you read this in the Bible, capital L-O-R-D, this is not only a powerful name, but it's a person's name who wants to be personal with you. He wants to be personally known. Moses went back with that name to Egypt. Pharaoh would not let our historic people go from their bondage. Ten plagues later, he would release them. Each of those plagues testified to the failure of an Egyptian god. For instance, at one point the sun was darkened. The god Ra, or Osiris, god of the sky and god of the the light, God was saying, that distant god is powerless and impersonal. But not me. I have power over light and dark. Kum, the the god of the river, the, the Nile, the great artery of Egypt. God turns the water blood red because he's saying Kum is powerless and impersonal, but not me. And here, in verse 27, Aaron and his sons... They're given instructions. Put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I, I have to leave this point, but there is a blessing. And the word blessed, when it appears in the Bible, means happy, uh, joy. A lifting of spirits, of heart. And he said, your hearts will be lifted when I put my name on you. And the lift comes when we recognize that this God is not only powerful, God of the universe, that means transcendent, but he's also very, very close He's very, very personal. He's imminent. He's my God. He's not simply our Lord, but He gives me that name as if to say, 
like a dad, I will never leave you or forsake you. And even to call my name or have my name, I want you to carry my name with you wherever I go. It's like having your parents' credit card or a check that your dad uh, has signed. And it's a blank check. It's like, uh, it's like having a very famous or powerful or influential father. And whenever you cite that that's your father, then you are treated with a claim or doors open to you. Well, God is saying, I'm personal. And I can be known personally by my name. And I want you to wear that name. I'm putting that name upon you. In other words, if you're a Christian, then you're a son or a daughter of God through Christ. You're not just anybody's child. And you have His name to back it up. There's a theme here that I want you to think about, and that's this, that the Lord's face shines upon me, and then my face shines upon others. My face then is enabled to radiate out to others. Because the second thing that, that Moses, uh, the second thing that God gives us in a benediction and a blessing is not simply putting his name upon us before we leave the worship service, saying, now bear my name. My name is upon you. You're my son. You're my daughter. But he wants us to experience his face. It's mentioned twice here. The Lord, verse 25, make his face to shine upon you. And then verse 26, lift up his countenance upon you. In other words, the idea is that God's face will shine on you and God's face will actually be worn by you. It'll be upon you. How does that work? Well, Moses is a great example again. Moses, after they led the people out of Egypt, they are now God's people and they're able to encounter him and to worship him in a big tent with the Ark of the Covenant and sacrifices. Um, But Moses met privately with God. And whenever Moses met with God and he came out of the tent, he had a sunburn. At least his face did. His face was, was radiant. His face was glowing. It was shining. It was significant. And it It told and spoke that I have been in the presence of a radiant, shining, holy light of the face God. It wasn't that he had gotten so close to the fire that he had been burned. But it was more like a father's radiant beam. A father's face that lights up when a child or a grandchild comes into the room. Oh, you're here. I'm so glad. It just the face just beams. But then that face is, as it were, it becomes contagious. The glow of that love, it, it's shining on me. I so internalize and experience that that I begin to shine. In other words, my face lights up when I see my kids, and then their face lights up in response. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus talks about it this way. 
you, and he's talking to those that will, this is the Sermon on the Mount. The masses, the masses are, are seated all around. Well, actually, physically, get this. We're, we'll try this one Sunday. They were standing and Jesus was sitting. So I'm going to preach a sermon one time when I'm seating and you stand for the whole sermon. But the people were all over, all around him. And he says to them, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and out, and out it under a, put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He's saying, you're a light that is now turned on. And don't hide it. Your light will be seen by those outside of the church, outside of Christianity. Wherever your circle of of influence is, your COI, wherever your circle of influence is, there are people that are watching you. And you are reflecting where you've been. You're reflecting who is influencing you. You're reflecting what you love or who you feel love from. And if you feel the radiating face of God's pleasure upon you, you will radiate that. You will let that light shine. And others will see that and experience it. Have you ever seen a benediction in in action? Have you ever actually seen a benediction on the streets? I was at uh, Dollar Tree last week when I was picking up some things. We celebrated the Scottish Long Table Communion style last week. And I was picking up some things at Dollar Tree. And there was only one person in line, but she was painfully slow. I mean, I was in a hurry. She must have been over 100 years old. She was very, very, I mean, she is, I mean, I think a, a breath of air, a good wind would have blown her over. And she had a combination walker-stroller thingy. And she had a number of items in her front basket. And so she finally got up there, and, and one by one, she's putting the things there. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is taking a long time. And then the teller looked at the items that she was purchasing and she said, Mama, what are you doing with all this uh, fancy perfume? And at this point, she's got her, she's taken out of her huge pocketbook and she's opened a very little purse. And, I, and, she, and it was pretty hot that day, but she had on like huge winter boots and a, a winter coat and um, she opened up this little bitty pocketbook and she was taking out a dollar at the time. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I'll never get out of here. Um, And and she said, well, I'm going to take the perfume and I I am down, and she gave a corner of over on Rivers, and she said, I'm going to resell the perfume. 
And they were like, oh, okay, well, we thought you might have a hot date or something out there, but okay, that's fine. And so she took it all out. The purchase was done. But she kept looking at the candy bar rack. And she said, I'd I'd like to have one of these. And she reaches over and gets a Hershey's candy bar and rings it up. And they said, oh, you're going to have your... Something sweet. She says, yeah, do you like candy? And, she, and the teller said, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, And she said, which one do you like? And she says, well, I, I like the Snickers bar. Well, I want to buy one of those too. Okay, all right, all right. And she saw another lady over here that was another teller, and she was helping bag up this perfume. And she says, how about you, honey? Do you, do you like candy bars? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like those uh, Three Musketeer bars. And uh, she said, Counting out one at a time. She makes the purchase and then she gives the Snickers bar and the Musketeer bar to them and then they receive it. They don't say, oh, you don't have to pay for that or they don't say, let me pay for that. But they in turn say, thank you so much for this. This is wonderful. This is a blessing. And then she walked out. Well, I had some confessing to do about being judgmental and impatient. But that was a walking benediction. And I don't know the story behind the story, but I've got a good guess. And my guess would be, is here is someone who doesn't give out of financial freedom, but who gives because she has received. She's been blessed And so her life in action becomes a blessing to other people. Just a piece of candy, right? It's just a candy bar. But she did that even with a stranger. And she did it even as she was going to take something sweet for herself. She was able to give something to another. Why am I laboring this point about the face Jesus said, your light is going to shine. And he says this right after all the blesseds. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they they are close to God. All the blesseds in in the Sermon on the Mount. And he didn't say, go out and be poor in spirit, or go out and sell all that you have to give to the poor. He didn't just say simply go and do. What he said, go under my blessing. Go under my benediction. God never asks us to do anything until He first blesses us. He equips us with that blessing. Sometimes, I don't know how we would do it, but sometimes it's as if we need to start the service with a benediction. Start the service with the very blessing of God that we then might hear the challenges of going and living and demonstrating ourselves as God's people. How do you define a disciple at Two Rivers? We've got six character traits. And by the way, a disciple starts even as an unbeliever. At Two Rivers, we don't think a disciple, someone who walks with Jesus... 
we don't think that a disciple is simply beginning at the point of conversion. Many, many, many of us in this room have become Christians after many, many days of walking with Jesus, even praying, reading, studying, asking questions, getting to know Him by name, getting to to know the person. Beginning as a learner, before we ever move on to say, you are truly a Savior and a Lord, and worshiping Him. Third, a lover. Our heart's affections change. We begin to love other people and not just narcissistically love ourselves. We become better friends and we value relationships with other people. We become good neighbors. We become front porch people and dog walkers and and go over and cut my neighbor's grass and, and talk across the fence whenever I see them outside. We don't become insulated people. We're not a cult. We become servants. We buy candy bars for other people. And all of these things become a blessing. Disciples are a blessing. In fact, that's the whole point behind the benediction is to equip us that we might be able to bless others and not curse them. 1 Peter 3.9 says, On the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Called. I'm called to be a preacher. Some of you are called to be a really, really good friend. Some of you are called to be a mommy. Some are called in particular vocations but all of us are called to be a blessing to other people to bless them what does that look like let me give you just some ideas b blessed by praying for people praying for people at least once a day whether it's under your breath or silently particularly when somebody's really when you're when there's a growing conflict with, with them, pull a Nikki Haley, you know. Bless your heart. No, I mean, really bless them. Bless you. I don't know. Every man, woman, and child and, and that you're going to encounter has some kind of battle that they're fighting. Lord, bless them. Lord, do what I can. Lord, bless them. Or bless them. By honoring them with your lips. Look for opportunities, particularly with fellow students or workmates or or neighbors, to say something good about them. It's surprising how seldom we encourage each other's heart by honoring. Just find something, find something that you can honor about a person. Listen. Listen to another person by being fully present. That takes work. It's hard to do. But try at least once a week to listen. It might be cumulative over a week, an hour. But to really, really listen to someone. Eat or meet in a coffee house or a pub are the very best places, your home. But we may not be that close to the person. 
and people that I really think that you can be the greatest blessing to is not simply in-house with people that you know, but people that God has brought into your life. That characteristically, they may be very, very far from God, but they're very, very close to you. And if you're very, very close to God, they are actually encountering your God through you when you bless them because you are blessed. Strengthened by a daily walk with Jesus. This is where we spend time with, our, with that face so that our face begins to shine. In other words, I'm not doing it out of my own goodness or my own energy, but as I'm continually spending time with Christ, in my private worship, my private reading, my private meditation, my private prayer, then that flows and strengthens me to bless others. Serve those who are far from God but close to me, such as family members. Serve. Buy them a candy bar. Learn how to speak their love language, particularly with either gifts or acts of service. Actually do something, particularly for people that are in crisis. And it may not be a financial or a physical crisis. It may be just sheer loneliness. Spend time. Spend energy. Spend money to bless them. Again, where do I get the energy? Where do I get the capital emotionally to do that? It's going to come from God being there, putting His name upon me, showing His face to me, showing me again and again about His person. And that will strengthen and transform me. Almost done. Psalm 89 shows us the full picture. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. In other words, wherever I go, the light of God's face, His name, capital L-O-R-D, is upon me. His intimate person, I've been experienced, and it's causing my face to reflect that. Who exalt in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted, For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. This morning, you'll see that the benediction is more than simply the end. It's the end, but it's also the sin. So we're going to end the service and just after we celebrate the Lord's table, we're going to end the service, but then God is going to send us out with His blessing. And you'll notice that prior, I mean right after the benediction, what do we do? We pass the peace. The very peace that we have from being in the radiant Father's presence with his face proud to put his name upon us because of Jesus Christ he blesses us and we have this growing sense of his grace and now peace 
And what do we do with one another? We bless one another. We pass peace to one another. We can truly be a blessing to other people as we have experienced Him. Do you want that? I want that. I can be a very difficult person to love. I need very frequent reminders that I'm loved. And every Sunday that we're together, God reminds us by putting His very person upon us, by showing up mysteriously in the person of the Holy Spirit, showing us His face by His character and by learning more about Him. And then in the course of the week, we are blessed as others speak into our lives, but also we're able to be of encouragement now to a very, very hurting, lonely world by blessing them. Let's pray. Father, I find it remarkable that if we look in the Gospel of Luke and we look at your Son and we follow the final days on earth, that we see His very last action and His very last words were to raise His hands over His followers, His disciples, and to bless them. He spoke a benediction from You. He spoke a blessing to say, my God is Your God, my Father is Your Father, and we are one. And then He ascended. His last words were a blessing. Father, I pray this morning that You would open up our hungry hearts to receive in just a short time Your benediction, Your blessing, and that it would strengthen us and fill us with joy. And then we would follow throughout this week You being Your instruments to bless others. This is the kind of church we want to be. Blessed and a blessing. Holy Spirit, strengthen us for this, even by this blessing on this table. Use this bread and use this cup to strengthen our heart, even by your death. That as we eat, we would be strengthened that it was your death in our place that made it possible for us to now be your sons, and your daughters. So, Father, we come to this table strengthened even by Jesus as we have prepared our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.